0: We've come to the end of a long day and a very rich conference. I am tasked to give the concluding remarks. Let me say that when uh, Dean Danny Kwa of the LKYSPP and I got together representing the Lee Kuan Yew Centre for Innovative Cities, we decided we have to do something to celebrate the one- LKY 100th birth anniversary. So we got together and brought in IPS. But when the three organizers, the three of us got together, we said this should not be a session where we simply go over Lee Kuan Yew's thoughts. You know, it's just another session of Lee Kuan Yew's thoughts. We must go beyond that because Lee Kuan Yew would not have wanted that. He would have hoped that his ideas, the hard truths he had been speaking about would have been absorbed, you know, baked into our DNA by now. There are now like three generations of Singaporeans since independence, born after that. What we thought we would do is to look at how Singapore should, what Singapore should do beyond this last successful uh, 58 years so you know we are here and we decided to present this conference but i wanted to share with you two short experiences i had with mr lee as ambassador to the united states i had a lot of opportunities to interact with him but to show you the kind of person he is and that's why we think we should not go over his thoughts again and again but to think ahead I would tell you two things. You know, he would visit the United States very often, and I would talk to him as we were travelling in the car, you know, in between meetings and so on. And I learned that at the age of 70, he started to use the computer, learn to use the computer, so that he could write his memoirs. And that really surprised me. And at that time... I didn't use the computer, you know. When I heard that, I said, oh, you know, M.M., I am so embarrassed. I think he was SM then. I said, I'm so embarrassed. I really have to learn to use a computer. And he looked at me and he said, quite right, you know. (laughs) So, you know, but this shows you the way he approached life and he was going to take on the task. At the age of 70... He began to learn the computer and wrote. And I think a few of us in this room, you know, Bilahari, Kishore, myself, is Tommy here, we sort of looked at his chapters. The second story I have of him is when he was 88 and he was visiting Washington. And I had a chance to talk to him. And we always discussed privately some of the problems of Singapore and whether how we would go forward. And I happened to talk about young people in Singapore. And I worried. You know, I talk like many of us old people do, or middle-aged people do. Oh, they are strawberries. Will they understand? And it's all the nostalgia. So I spoke in a critical way. And he looked at me straight, and he said, don't. You know, don't talk like that. Don't. The young people are very smart, and they are very good. Now, At 88, he said that to me and I felt it as a slight reprimand. And I took that to heart because now I never talk of strawberry young people. They are very good and very smart. But that shows you the thinking of Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. So if we were simply to have dwelled on the thoughts of Lee Kuan Yew, we would not have actually lived out or, you know, practiced his... Uh, ideas and legacy in the way he would have wanted. Now, what did we learn today? That we've had very rich, uh, a very rich di- uh, sort of uh, agenda, and there were provocative discussions, and for me to try to summarize uh, the sessions would be a bit difficult, but let me try to just tease out a couple of things from each of the sessions. We began with the 21st century economic uh, transition and I thought Larry Summers made a very important point by reminding all of us, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew is a very unusual personality and all the virtues and all the wonderful qualities of Lee Kuan Yew was highlighted. It was important because I think in Singapore, we do too much, and he said that is unusual. You have to remember he's a very unusual person. So it's like once in a while, once in a century, once in decades, you have a leader like this coming. Because in Singapore, we tend to keep thinking well, will the next fourth generation leader be like Lee Kuan Yew? Would the third generation leader be like Lee Kuan Yew? And so on. So move on. You know, we Respect, we love Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, we like his ideas, but leaders are leaders for the times, and I think that's important. And looking beyond, you know, the next 58 years, 100 years, we have to look at leaders as leaders, are they suitable for the times? But what about the economic transition? I think the ideas that were emphasised was that Firstly, apart from leadership, it was the way Singaporeans are. And we should, frankly, still emphasize the values of ambition, meritocracy, inclusiveness, and forward-looking. We should also, I think, it was emphasized that uh, we should practice a foreign policy of neutrality. That came up in the economic transition uh, session because that really gave us a particular Position, The word that we should be a commercial and collegial country and play that role is very important. I think that will serve us even in the next phase of Singapore and that we should have a strong, effective public service. We considered some of the skills we needed. You know, as Jessica brought up, she worried about the skills that we would need to develop but uh, Piyush and some others thought really didn't matter, technology would ful- fulfil that. But I think the one point that I took away, which was what Yen Golding said, that technology is important, but technology may not help us with our productivity challenges. Productivity is a real challenge for Singapore. And if we think technology will serve everything, probably not. And we will still have to think harder, and work harder on that. We move to the small state in a turbulent world. I think uh, Kevin Rudd began by telling us that the world has changed, you know, China is more assertive. Uh, Xi Jinping has his particular uh, thoughts and his way of dealing with the world, and we discuss what would a small state do in this new context. I think, um, well, uh, one suggestion was from Kevin Rudd was that we should strive for strategic equilibrium in the region, You know, try to build that because this strategic deterrence will help small countries and medium-sized countries navigate in the world. But uh, some of us, the rest of us, I think Bill and I emphasized, Bill uh, Bilahari shared Kevin's ideas, but he emphasized that in this contested world, If you have to choose between United States and China, always remember, you choose Singapore. It is about Singapore, and we must always make our decisions based on Singapore's interest. I think we talked of Singapore remaining active, I did, you know, uh, active, and that uh, we should have a voice in the world, Bilhari agreed we should maintain multi-alignment and exercise our agency, that's Bilahari, and we should work with our groupings, working groups, that's ASEAN, and work together with ASEAN to create an um, environment that would be make inclusive groupings possible. And uh, I think we thought that would certainly help in some ways with Um, bringing the two sides together. The governance of a city-state, I I think the panel talked about the constraints of a city-state and the challenges in the near horizon, which included immigration, diversity, climate change, and urban governance, uh, this VUCA world. But one question that came up and was interesting was the tension between being a city-state and also a global city. And what do we do with the demands of um, being global and yet having a nationality and a national identity? Um, I think there was some hope that Singapore could become an environmental leader in building capacity in the region, and we could be an educational leader for the global south. We would be a city that finds solutions for what would be happening in climate change, urban heat, and so on. Finally, we've just had this wonderful discussion, conversation between uh, Farid Zakaria and uh, DPM Wong. And I think what was important was the revisiting of the concept of multiracialism that was discussed. I think for those of us, the younger people who don't listen to this often, it is important because globally, it is now, in fact, we are into the politics of identity. So, But we are a multiracial country, and we are a country where the people are encouraged to value their own identities, their own ethnic ethnic identities. You can be Chinese, Malay, Indian, Eurasian, you know, European, it's fine. We can live with those identities, but how does that affect national unity and how does that bring people together? I think as a scholar of ethnicity, I will say all of us have multiple identities in us and you activate the identity, a different identity at a different time. You are Singaporean, sometimes you are Chinese, sometimes you are woman, Sometimes you are mother, sometimes you are a um, fighter pilot, woman fighter pilot, okay? But uh, we have these identities, but you have to, you activate them. It is all right, as DPM says, to have all these identities in us, but we are also producing a supra-identity in Singapore which is through the schools, through national service, through going through the same examinations, university, and so on. So the supra-identity layers over the individual identities. And because of that, I think, you know, and because ethnicity, your identities must be something that government must pay attention to, bringing people together, managing it, you hope that through that, Individual identity and super-identity, we create a nation. Um, DPM discussed uh, the problems Singapore is going through now, scandals, I thought quite uh, deftly. You know, He didn't say very much, but he did it rather deftly. And finally, we talked about the geopolitics and geoeconomics of the US-China conflict and how that would impact on us. I think listening to what the Deputy Prime Minister said and listening to what the conversations were during the day, it is very clear that it is not going to be an easy path forward, but that's the hand we are all presented with, but that a set of good leaders, leaders who are thinking all the time, very clear and informed of what is happening outside would be very helpful for us as we navigate the next few decades. And perhaps a, well, 100 years is a bit too far to predict. So I thank all of you for supporting us, for attending this conference today, the LKY 100 Reinventing Destiny conference. But before I let you go, I have to say a very big thank you to the organising team. They've been working very hard supporting us, people from IPS, IPS team in particular, from SUTD and those from the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. They've made your life here, you know, very pleasant, things work, you know, you you know, you got your seats, you have uh, lunch, tea served, but no dinner. (laughs) But really, I think it is their hard work, you know. And they've been at it since January. And I have to thank our foreign guests, our speakers, who... came here from f- afar. They, and many of them like, Professor Yin Golding, I have to thank you. Are you still here? He flew in yesterday. He's flying out tonight because he's going to Buenos Aires to give another speech. So he made a special effort to come. So I thank Professor Golding for doing this quick turnaround. Yeah? And uh, uh, Professor Wu Weiping, who came to Singapore and who went to India and came back to Singapore, thank you. And Kevin is not here, Kevin Rudd. He flew in last yesterday and he's leaving tonight also. He came in from talks in Australia and he's on his way to attend an APEC meeting, I think in the United States. You know. So, uh, And Farid, Farid just walked out, but uh, he's here and he's very busy. And the fact that we managed to secure him to come and to do a program here is really a very great honor for Singapore, and I think it is uh, an, a tribute to Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. And there is also Professor Larry Summers, whom we managed to uh, get, and I have to thank Kishore for helping me get Larry Summers. He did he did it very quickly. We are asked him, he just said yes but he will not leave Cape Cod and so he did it virtually. So I think all of them said they did it because of their high regard for Mr Lee Kuan Yew and also because they love Singapore. So I hope you all enjoyed yourself, you were stimulated and you you are going to go away with some food for thought. So